Oh, it, everybody decided they had to do something in the garage, taking trash out, and my wife's asking me questions, and then they wanted to know if I wanted hot chocolate, so they're making me hot chocolate. And what do you need hot chocolate for? You live in freaking Florida. And I was, it's it's cold, right, right, Scott? Please. What? Please. Why? What is it? What, what's the temperature over there? It's not cold. It was snowing here. Is it snowing well, over there? No, but it's supposed to be 58 for a high tomorrow. <laughs> oh my God! Only 58. Let's see. Cold, what is it? man. Well, right now in he over here it's 30 degrees. God damn, that's crazy. cold. You're that doesn't doesn't crazy. bother me at all. That doesn't bother me at all. You start getting down into the teens, I start getting a little cold. <laughs> 30, I can handle. Oh, it's 55 degrees right now. <laughs> It's 55 over, it's 54 over by you, Scott, so it, it's cold. How the f*** is that cold? That's light jacket weather. <laughs> what the hell it's are you cold. talking about cold? It's cold because my wife thin is... Thin-blooded f- I've got a fan blowing on me. I'm, I'm, I'm on Paul's side. <laughs> I I got a fan blowing on me, too, but, you know, they're, they're all tell, cold. Tell her to stop. <laughs> they're all cold, so they're making very funny. <laughs> Back to the bin. Now we agreed to be nice to, to Bill for an episode. Wait, 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 wait. When did we Just agree to this? An episode. <laughs> when did we agree to this? I don't know. I think you might you might have you might have imagined it. <laughs> I dreamed it. But um, uh, bah, 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 bah. what was I saying? Oh no! The other night, the other night, my wife was was saying, um, "Can I turn the heat on?" And I'm like, "No, why?" It's, it's, That's a euphemism. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> and and I said, "No." She's like, "Well, well, what if it gets down to 65?" I'm like, "Lower, 63. Lower, 60, 60." I'm like, "Lower. You could turn. You could set the heat for 60. If it gets below 60, you can turn the heat on." So Cue she was the porn just, music. Bam, 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 bam. Where's my hot chocolate? It's another bam. euphemism. <laughs> Eartha Kitt's going to come walking in. <laughs> wow. Perfect. What? You need something to put it on. I can put it on this. It's going to leave a ring. It's a calendar. That's what it's for. Oh, ow, no. ow, that's hot. Ow, oh, ow. Oh, really? Ooh, there's little marshmallows in there, too. <laughs> this is comedy gold. Let me what? see if I can drink this. Oh, man, it did leave a ring. Damn it. She was... <laughs> I hate it when she's right. <laughs> I think I burned my tongue. <laughs> it's too hot. Mm. That would be tucking funny. <laughs> At least now I have an excuse. So, did you look up the lyrics for <laughs> Sounds of Silence? Should we each do a line or we should do a verse and then the next guy does the verse? Or, I wouldn't uh, be adverse to doing a verse. Or just we do, you know, like one guy does Hello Darkness, My Old Friend, and the next guy does... Well, at some point it has to, to be a duet, again. though. We have to we have to harmonize. Well, where... <laughs> yeah, okay. Would, would that be when we get to... And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more. People talking without listening. People writing songs that voices never shared. And no, no one, one cared. Disturb. The sounds of silence. silence. Fool says, I, you do not know. Silence like a cancer grows. 
Hear my words that I might reach you. I don't have the lyrics in front of me, by the way. I just oh, okay. know this song pretty well. Wow. And the people bowed and prayed to the neon god they made. Wow, that, that's so out of tune. Okay. Help me. <laughs> what my life has become. Oh. <laughs> uh, me and Julio down by the schoolyard. My pajama rolled out of bed. <laughs> I love Simon and Garfunkel. You're not gonna, you're gonna have a tough time stumping me on them. I am a rock. I am a diamond. I'm trying to think of the first words. Winter's day. Yeah, in you a got deep it. Yeah. And dark December. <laughs> I am the wall. Uh, I can't. I can't do Arnold sing and dr- drink hot chocolate at the same time. So you should drink just iced not, tea like me. Just not. Just, it's not, just not safe. Not, it's not cold enough here to drink hot chocolate. It's only thirty degrees. There must be fifty ways to leave your lover. Step out the back, Jack. Make a Make new a plan, new Stan. Stan. I remember that being in the. Boy, uh, Roy. Just listen to me. I remember that being in the bullpen bulletins page because it had Jack, Stan, and Roy in it. Mm. Man, what? What's that? Me? Huh? Eh? Oh, yeah. I do not have a uh, written synopsis, so it'll be oh, as God. always. Oh God! Luckily, God, help me. Luckily, it's a it's a it's a 2014 book, so there's not much to it. Help me. Uh, what's the date on yours, Scott? 1998, I think. So I think mine is the first. Oh, is that what we're doing? We're going in. Well, don't we go date order when... I don't know. Does it matter? Yeah, it matters. It matters a lot. It's the format, baby. Tommy used the I run a tight yeah, ship here. Mine is... Yeah, right. I like to wrap freaks proper. Mine is number... Or is uh... Oh, we're living on a prayer. Oh, sorry. That's Bon Jovi. That's not Simon and Garfunkel. Arnold can sing whatever he wants. It's the final countdown. Me, me, me. La 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 la. This hot chocolate's going in my head. Mm. It's hot. I had it's some hot, hot chocolate hot, hot. an hour ago, and it went straight to my head. It's feeling hot, hot, hot. <laughs> I'm drinking cocoa. It's burning my tongue because it's hot, hot, hot. <laughs> oh my God! Did you Jesus did you Christ. blow a blood vessel? What was that? <laughs> that he sneezed at his anus or something? <laughs> I don't know if that happens. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> if it happens, I hope to be properly ignorant. <laughs> you already are properly properly ignorant. <laughs> well, if you get shit coming out of your anus while we're recording, then I'm happy to say <laughs> we've had. What, 200 and some episodes that prove that of all of us, I think. <laughs> Back to the bins. Properly ignorant. Since 2000, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm thinking back to the bins. Ignorant so you don't have to be. <laughs> Back to the bins. Ignorance is our speciality. Anyway, hi, everybody, and welcome to Back <laughs> to say, the Bins. What? What? <laughs> it's like, hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. I, 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 turned, I gave a little bit of a Jerry like, Lewis thing. It's like, it's like, hey, everybody. Like oh, a top 40 right. DJ. You're on, hey, hey, everybody. Quack, quack. Welcome to the wacky. Back <laughs> to the bins. You know, maybe, maybe, if, maybe if one of you f- would, would bring in the show once in a while, I wouldn't have to. 
<laughs> and don't don't be abusing me like I'm Bill here. No. <laughs> Stupid build. Nobody puts oh, a producer in the corner. A start already. So you know, you know, I was I was thinking about it today though. This is. Uh, Ooh, I got a marshmallow. Our uh, what you call it? Uh, obligatory blah 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 coattail riding shit. Oh no, blah 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 blah. I worked hard on that shit. You no, say blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> bonk bonk. <laughs> So what what is it? Shameless obligatory Shameless obligatory coattails riding Deadpool episode. How long did it take you to come up with that? Like thirty seconds? Seriously, I worked hard on that. It's the last time you worked hard on this show, please. Oh, that's not right. Please. Oh, I put up with you guys every time we record. That's hard work. I do all the heavy lifting around here. Amateurs. I'm surrounded by amateurs. Oh well, yeah. Well, when you know, when you have starts the... paying us, then you'll be paid. But you'll be surrounded <laughs> by professionals. You have to do all the heavy lifting. I mean, have you seen the size of me and Scott? Boom, <laughs> boom. Oh, speak for yourself, brother. <laughs> hey, what's that supposed to mean? Ah, uh, nothing. Coming up on four years of podcasting, and all I have to show for it is a snowball microphone. Are you really coming up on four years? I think the my first two true. I think my first two true freaks. Appearance was February of uh, of 2012. Damn, I think you'd have gotten good at it by now. But oh, you'd be wrong. Yeah, man. That's that's that's. I, I will never get good at it. That's a given. <laughs> <laughs> and yet there are people out there foolish enough to actually listen to us. They do. They seem to dig us too. Uh, that may be overstated. Can you dig it? <laughs> I used to love that song. All right. Well, quote. So what are we... Oh, that's true. It is a movie quote, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So what are we doing tonight? Drinking hot choco... Chot cocoa. Don't choke. Drinking hot cocoa a, on a cold Florida evening. Uh, excuse me. Actually, we, we've passed my four-year anniversary because it was November of 2011 was the, my first two True Freaks appearance. Wow. What episode was it? Uh, Comics Monthly Monday, number 35. Wow. Number 35. Counting them out. No, my first appearance was Comics Monthly Monday, and I came on and we talked uh, New York Comic Con. Nice. And then, then my second was Back to the Bins, and you and I went on for like three hours just doing a shoot the shit episode. Wow. And then you never, you were never able to get me to leave after that. You with the memory, or are you looking this up? Because I totally don't remember. I look, I looked up the Comics Monthly Monday because I didn't remember that. But are you the, kidding? You didn't see that big spreadsheet he has posted next to his computer in his den every appearance he's ever had every mention he's been on on every every other show my god his ego is my god it's huge oh sorry look at the bones man (laughs) he's got a big head (laughs) uh it's been a long time but it's what a long strange trip it's been (laughs) so back back to what i was saying was our first Shameless obligatory coattails writing episode, I believe, was Amazing Spider-Man Two. Really, really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking that up as we speak. But uh, but I'm pretty sure that was our first one. And when you think about it, like when you think about comic movies, it doesn't feel like that's that long ago, really. And yet we've done so many shameless ob- obligatory coattails writing episodes, which shows you just how prolific the comic book industry movie premieres are at this point i mean it's crazy how many are coming out but it's yeah, that is it's a good thing i think it's been a good thing i mean it's certainly given given this show mileage for for that particular uh thing you know of doing the 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 tie-ins like that so yeah i mean we have done an awful lot of them too 
Of course, we've done just we you know we've done more than just comic movies too, haven't we? Uh, we for the most part, we've been comics, but you know, I mean, we've we've veered off a little. Everything we've done has had a comics property at least. Right. Star Wars wasn't introduced as a comic, obviously. It was right. You know, the comic was a tie-in. Same thing, Lone Ranger. Uh, we did wasn't you know introduced oh, yeah. as a comic. Yeah, we right. didn't do a the Man from Uncle obligatory show. No, no. We've we've yeah. missed a couple along the way just because yeah you know things have gotten in the way, but uh, but for the most part we've we've stayed with it. Here we go. Yeah, uh, Amazing Spider Man. It was episode number ninety three. Was our first one, July two thousand twelve. Spider Man. Oh, yeah. It's always my favorite pronunciation of Spider Man from the 67, 66 car- cartoon. Spider Man. I can't remember <laughs> if that's uh, the Green Goblin or Doctor Octopus. I don't remember. Might 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 be the same actor voice actor on both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could, could be. That's very true. <laughs> I am way cool? overdue for a rewatch of that. What the car- the cartoons? Yeah, I used to dig that one. I did too, but you I don't know. Do it, you you can't watch them all at once. I tried because I got the whole set on uh, DVD, and it you got to just watch them every every couple of days. You can't watch them all at one time because then it. You, you see all the flaws in the same shots over and over, and you just kind of. I tried to do that with uh, with the other Marvel ones because I used to love. Um... I thought you were going to say you tr- tried to do that coming into the bedroom at night. You know, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? Get off of them ropes. I think I think you can do it more so with the uh, Marvel superheroes ones because. Those are a little easier to deal with because they're adaptations of the actual comics for the most right. part. These get a little tiresome when they get to the ones that really aren't dealing with, you know, villains from the comics. There are very few of them that are actually out and out adaptations. Right. For the most part, they're you know even even when they did use known villains, they came up with you know, I remember the one where the Rhino was stealing all the gold so that he could make a, a gold statue of himself. <laughs> that was never in the comics. Shockingly. Oh, was the rhino yeah, Donald yeah. Trump? <laughs> I like this idea, though. I'm going to try that. What? Steal Make a gold. gold statue yourself? A gold statue of myself, yeah. I like this idea. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Just make a gold statue See if you of Maybe myself. you can get Alicia Masters to sculpt it. <laughs> Why does it look like a penis? Oh. <laughs> I was just thinking. Okay, Alicia, you, you have to you have to do this all by sense of touch because you can't see. Just please make sure you get my junk right. <laughs> <laughs> I would love. I, it was cold. Time, it was I always cold. wanted to see in one of those old Marvels, you know, where they go to her studio when she'd have you know, one of her art premieres, and it's just like formless blobs and stuff, you know. <laughs> I never understood why her stuff. It was always exact. And everybody, everybody's being polite. Yay! Oh, you're such a great artist, Leash. Oh, they're just <laughs> they, they just can't bring themselves to. God, this sucks. How did she get it right when she got down to the junk? Well, I mean, I used to. I can remember issues where her studio was full of sculptures of like Captain America and and the Hulk and stuff. And I'm like, when the hell did she have time to touch all over them to get? You know, all the details and everything. And again, like you say, touch another junk, too. I'm pretty sure that you wouldn't be allowed to touch all over the Hulk's junk. You know what I'm saying? I'm pretty sure he wouldn't sit still for her to go over and put her hands all over him. Right. Or if he was, he'd want, you know, he'd want a happy ending out of it. At least give him a reach around. (laughs) Okay, Dr. Banner, show us on the sculpture where Miss Masters touched you. 
Or like Doctor Doom. When the hell did she ever get a chance to feel up Doctor Doom? Well, Doom was a you touch Doom's junk and you make the, the statue for me. <laughs> Doom, Doom, Doom was a freak. He was all into that. <laughs> Doom was Italian. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't even know what that was. <laughs> I was like Mario plays Doctor Doom. Is what it sounded like. Well, it's I... me, Doctor Doom. <laughs> Woo-hoo. We are the same. <laughs> Actually, Wario can play Doctor Doom. <laughs> is this no consoles for old men? <laughs> so we're up to, to two hundred members on the uh, Facebook page. Sweet. Yes, Ryan Daly. You think yeah, that's mag- a good? You thing. You think that's impressive. You magnificent bastard! You number two hundred. You think that's impressive? Baby steps, dude. Baby steps. I want a thousand. I know what you want, but I'm telling you, baby steps. All right, we're getting there. I don't we're like getting there. Steps. I like huge leaps. Like huge tracts of land. <laughs> but no one cares. They don't care. <laughs> they'll, they'll appreciate us when we're gone. Most genius is not appreciated in its lifetime. Genius? Or us. <laughs> so, uh, Deadpool. So, yeah. I love you, Wade Wilson. We can fight this. You're right. The cancer's only my liver, lungs, prostate, and brain. All things I can live without. What if I told you we can make you better? You're a fighter. We can give you abilities most men only dream of. Make you a superhero. You just promise you'll do right by me so I can do right by someone else. And please don't make the super suit green or animated. One thing that never survives this place is a sense of humor. Uh, We'll see about that, Pop Spice. Oh, come on. You gonna leave me all alone here with less angry Rosie O'Donnell? Hey, yeah, I wanna shoot, baby. Packed in your stack, especially in the back, brother. I wanna thank your mother for a butt like that. Yo, shotgun, bang. What the fuck that thing? I wanna know, how does it hang? You may be wondering why the red suit. Well, that's so bad guys can't see me bleed. This guy's got the right idea. He wore the brown pants. Cue the music. Exco, give it to you. Wait for you to get it. What the? Exco, deliver to you. Ah. Red with the enemy. No matter how many caps I break, when I'm Rick's like old lady pants in here. Why such a douche this morning? Oh. God, you are hard to look at. You look like the topographical map of Utah. Exactly. I am very turned on right now. You are haunting. You look like an avocado had sex with an older avocado. Thank you. What are you guys thinking? I'm thinking I I barely even know who the guy is. So I was not sure what to think coming into this one. I I was curious to check him out. But leaving this read, I'm not sure I really know anything more than I knew beforehand. He's he's, he's not a very deep character. 
No, no. So I think you do know what you need to know. And I and I I also have to confess that I haven't read a hell of a lot of Deadpool, but I don't think you need to read a lot to understand the character. Right. He's no, more, he he's more played for comedy. Than yes. Else. Likes to break the fourth wall. Played for laughs. He's a mutant. He can heal himself. No, I don't think he is a mutant. I thought he was. I thought I thought he was like subjected to uh, testing, and that's how he ended up getting his healing power. And but didn't he go through the the Weapon X program? That's yeah, what I thought. I yeah. think so, but I don't think he's a mutant. But he's not a mutant. I could be mistaken. I'm, well, I'm not, I'm, 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 again, I'm not that well versed on the character. Why the hell was he in New Mutants if he's not a mutant? I think he was introduced as a mercenary, and he was introduced as not a comic character, a, a comedy character. Right. And then eventually, I guess, I think it's Joe Kelly who took him in. Uh, I thought a lot about bringing percent. that particular book to the table, but I just couldn't get past the art. Which one? The New Mutants, what is it, 98 or whatever? Oh, Rob Liefeld. Yeah, I just... And I'm not... Well, you know, okay, okay. Uh, all right, this says, this is all-knowing, all-speaking Wikipedia. Yeah, I was just looking that up, too. Deadpool is a disfigured and mentally unstable mercenary with the superhuman ability of an accelerated healing factor does not say he is a mutant it just says he has a accelerated healing factor take that for what I, I being as that's not normal than human i would think he's a could be considered a mutant that's just my opinion i don't know well the character's backstory has been presented as vague and subject to change mm. uh, doesn't say this is fascinating. That's right. Sexual orientation. Ooh, he is sexual. <laughs> Interesting. The, the thing I've I've heard about that is there's been debates: is he gay? Is he straight? What is he? What is he bisexual? And and what 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 I've heard is is the kind of accepted response is that he's got such a screwed up personality that he doesn't even know what he is. So he's Bruce Jenner. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Except we're not giving him any, any awards for courage based on that. Hmm. What was the? It's, what, uh, here, uh, what's his name? Uh, some Fabian Nicieza, who who created the character, says uh, he is no sex and all sexes. He is yours and everyone else's. So not dismissive, but rather the epitome of all inclusive. What? So basically, he doesn't want to say anything, and that's fine. Why? Why do we have to worry about what his sexual preference is? You know, it should just there's certain characters where you shouldn't even care. Who cares? What do you guys think on the movie? You're going to see it? I am, and my kids both want to see it, so I'm going to see it with them. I don't know if I could take Ben. I was so. thinking there was a wasn't there a a team? I don't know if it was an Avengers team or not, but wasn't there a team at one point? I want to say this was around the time of. I don't think it was Secret Invasion, but it might have been around that time when it was like like the Punisher and Elektra and maybe the Venom that was Flash Thompson and was was um, Deadpool on that team. You guys know what I'm talking maybe, I, about? I think, I think it was the, uh, the Thunderbolts. Was it the Thunderbolts? Yeah, I think it was one of the incarnations of the Thunderbolts. I remember reading this. Yeah, I think part of some... And I was not reading it during that. Deadpool was on that because that's, you know what, funny enough... When I picked up those those books I got up in Ohio, I uh -huh. picked up a couple Thunderbolts. And yeah, when I glanced through it, Deadpool was in there with uh, everybody that you were mentioning. Yeah. So yeah, he, he was on the newer Thunderbolts with um, Thunderbolt Ross was on there too. Right. Isn't that ironic? And they had the That's Red right, because he, he was the leader of the team. That's right. Yeah. 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 But I, I, 
So I take it back then. I had I had read at least that, and it, but again, I didn't really know what the hell was going on with that. It was it was crossovers into that event, and I read it as part of that, but didn't really follow it or understand what the hell was going on. It's always the best reads. <laughs> the hell well, am I reading? I mean, it, if if you saw him in uh, Wolverine Origins. Yeah, you know, before the ending part, when he was turned into something that was not Deadpool, uh, when when he was, you know, wisecracking and and flipping his sword and all of that stuff, except for the fact that he's badly disfigured and should be wearing a mask and everything, that seems to be the Deadpool from the comics, right? Mm-hmm. So I think based on the trailer and everything, that they're going for that type of feel as opposed to what you, they did at the end of Wolverine Origin, X Men Origins Wolverine. So I think this has got a chance to be a decent movie. I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting, not keeping my, you know, hopes overly high. But I think it's going to be entertaining. Well, it's got the, I think it's got the guy that plays Colossus from the other movies in it. Right. Um, not sure who else is going to be in there. Which What's other movies? Uh, Cudsmore, Daniel Cudsmore. I guess the guy I think that you guys met at. Um... We met him at Eternal Con two years ago and uh, mm-hmm. we took a picture with him. He's a very nice guy, incredibly tall. <laughs> What cool guests will we have this year at Eternal Con? Don't know. I, well, I, I do know we have Scott Gardner and Bill Robinson, but after that, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't have my ticket yet, but I will. Yeah. No ticket. Hoping. Hoping to. Yes. Well, we're going to review some books. I guess we don't seem to have a lot to say about the movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean, I already said I'm going to see it. Are you guys? Um, I know Logan if, wants to see it. I don't know if it's necessarily a theater uh, experience or not, or if we're waiting for the for the DVD. I'll just I, I have to ask him how how into it he really is, wanting to go see it. I was kind of surprised that uh, he even knew who he was, really. But I, I think he knows him more from the video games because I know that he was in you know several of the games that we've played over the years. Um, you know, like he was in. Uh, one of the X-Men Legends games. He was in Ultimate Alliance, and I think he was in some other stuff, like, you know, the Legos and stuff like that. So I think he, he knows him more from other media than he does, you know, comics or anything like that. I, I think my kids actually know him better from cosplayers because he's apparently a very, very popular oh, yeah. cosplay person. Yeah, and, we, at Megacon, didn't we ha- ha- have that one year we had, like, the female... Uh, lady yeah, Deadpool. Yeah, there was umpteen of them, and then there was a Lady Deadpool. There, yeah. there was so many of them, of them this year at New York Comic Con that they formed a conga line. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was it was very cool actually. <laughs> well, I mean, what was a little bit different about this Lady Deadpool? She was a little bit on the shorter side, a little bit heavy set, and I think she had her kids with her too. I don't remember I, that. I remember that was really. Well, I, mean, I was going to say she was really attractive, but you, you know, she couldn't. See in her. my mind, she was incredibly Body. hot. So just leave yeah. it at that. Body. <laughs> okay. No, oh yeah, she was fantastic, amazing. And then I slid down the hill at the Seven <laughs> Eleven and bowled over one of Scott's sons. <laughs> so, uh, so we're we're dedicating an episode to a character we really, really don't know that well. No. Well, just just from but, being, I mean, I've never, I've like you, Paul, I've read him a little bit in the Cable and Deadpool book that we had. <laughs> When he was in New Mutants and um, X Force, I've got some of the miniseries, but I don't. I honestly don't think I've read them too many times. Um, who is I'm trying to think? What was his connection to Sabretooth? Did he have a connection, or am I thinking a different character? I'm not I'm thinking, familiar with any connection between the two, other than the fact that I'm sure they've been in the same book at some point or another. But I, I, I don't think there's a like a. Uh, What's Sabretooth? 
name. Do you guys remember his name? Victor. Victor Creed. Victor, Victor Creed. Oh, I know what I'm thinking Victor. now. Yeah, there was, Victor! A, there was a politician in one of the X-Men books who was actually Saber, supposed to be Sabretooth's and Mystique's son. I, but I can't remember what his – was it Graydon Creed? Yes. Yeah, that was back in the 90s. Maybe that's where in, I was. In the X-Men cartoon, too. Oh, oh okay. Oh. I believe, unless I'm mistaken. Anyways. But I might go see it. Um, depends if I got anything going on that weekend, or maybe I'll just wait for a DVD or a red box or something. Well, it, o- it opens on uh, February 12th. This issue, oh. I, this, this issue, this episode I plan to post on February 13th. Mm. Uh, but the following week, my kids are off from school, so we'll go one day during that week. And uh, I was pretty unfamiliar with the character, even more so than I am now, uh, when the issue that I chose to do today came out. And one of my buddies actually thought it was clever enough that he made me sit down and read it. And I I remember enjoying it then, so I said, okay, I'm going to do that book again. So I chose Deadpool, Volume 1, Number 11, from December of 1997. And the cover is by Pete Woods, and it's a takeoff of Amazing Fantasy Number 15, with Deadpool swinging while holding a dude in one arm and swinging from a rope, which is breaking, with the other arm. The story is titled, With Great Power Comes Great Coincidence. It is brought to you across the vast expanse of space and time by Joe Marty McFly Kelly, writer, Pete H.G. Wells Woods, penciler, Nathan Time Traveler Massengill, Inker of the 1990s sections. Or a guy named after a douche. Yeah. (laughs) Or you just say, what a douche. (laughs) Al, Time by Seiko Milgram, and Joe Space Warp Synod inked the 1960s sections. Chris Sagan Sotomayor is the colorist. And a special thanks is given to various people, but most importantly, Stan Lee and John Romita, as this comic incorporates much of Spider-Man number 47, in the way that Deep Space Nine used the trouble with Tribbles in an episode. And for the sake of completeness, I looked to see whether this book came out before that episode, and it did not. The episode aired in November of 1996, so it could have served as inspiration for this book. The story opens with an unrelated splash page, paying tribute to what I consider one of the all-time most overrated movies, Forrest Gump, with Deadpool sitting on a bench like Tom Hanks in the poster for that movie. Story begins on the moon, where the Watcher becomes aware of a significant occurrence, but then laments the fact that it involves Deadpool. Following an encounter with the Great Lakes Avengers, who were at that time called the Lightning Rods, Deadpool and his strange sidekick, Blind Al, were thrown back in time to 1967, where they land on the porch of one Aunt May Parker. Well, they actually land right on May and knock her out. Initially, they think that she that they were just teleported across distance and don't realize that they went back in time. So Deadpool uses a belt teleporter to go get them some sort of transportation. The place he goes ends up being a school for wayward girls where he's beaten up by some nuns. We cut back to 1997 where the lightning rods and Deadpool's cohort Weasel are trying to figure out what happened. Back to the Parker house where Aunt May is unconscious on the couch and Deadpool teleports back in. They realize that they're in the past at this point. Meanwhile, Craven the Hunter is on the loose looking for revenge against the Green Goblin and Spider-Man. He reads a newspaper report that the Goblin is dead and decides to take his revenge on Norman Osborn instead since he believes him to be the Goblin's agent. Deadpool, in the meantime, is considering the value of taking advantage of knowledge of future events like Biff in Back to the Future Part 2. 
But Blind Al asks him if he's ever seen Star Trek and points out the danger of changing the past. Deadpool agrees, but doesn't see the harm in hooking up with the future stars of Baywatch. <sighs> While they debate, Anna Watson comes a-calling and Deadpool is ready to put a bullet into her. Back to, back to the present, as Flatman explains what happened, all we hear is blah blah blah, much like an Apollo smile or con of synopsis. Hey. <laughs> In the past, Blind Al st stops Deadpool from shooting Anna Watson and pretends to be May to try and send her away. Deadpool uses an image inducer to look like Peter Parker, whose photos are all around the house. He sends Anna away with Blind Al, who's dressed as Aunt May. As they leave, the lightning rods and Weasel are able to get a message to Deadpool, telling him what he needs to do to get back. Of course, it's beyond his scientific expertise, so he knows he needs to find a Doc Brown-like person to help him. It's at this moment that he sees a picture of Peter's science club and notices a young weasel standing next to Peter. He also sees pictures Peter has taken for the Daily Bugle, which gives him an idea on how to execute his plan. Meanwhile, Craven is still searching for Norman Osborn and monologuing like it's a 1960s comic, which it pretty much is. Deadpool phones Peter and gives him an anonymous tip about something going on in Jersey to keep him out of the picture. So. Deadpool, dressed as Peter, goes to Weasel to try and get him to help with his science project. But Weasel rejects his request, thinking it's just bullying. Harry Osborn comes over, then talking in 1960s speak, and we get some great commentary from Deadpool about his language and his hair. It turns out that there's a going away party that night for Flash Thompson, who will be going into the army. Cut to Blind Al, dressed as Aunt May and Anna Watson. Mary Jane comes to visit and starts dancing for no apparent reason. Blind Al calls Deadpool at Peter's apartment with Harry and tells him how dumb MJ is. Norman comes to visit and Deadpool says, Oh my god, there's actually two of them with that hair. Back on the school campus, Gwen Stacy shows up and Weasel practically creams his pants. So Deadpool, Deadpool Peter invites Weasel to the party so he can get him to help fix his teleport. Aunt May wakes up, but a booby trap is set to scare her and she passes out yet again. And so Harry, Peter, Weasel... Gwen and Mary Jane head to the party. Mary Jane starts to dance by herself again, and Gwen, not wanting to be outdone, dances with Weasel. Craven bursts into the party and grabs Harry in an effort to get to Norman. Deadpool then takes on Craven in a fight lifted directly from Spider-Man number 47, as much of the art in the story in this book was. Eventually, I wondered Craven... about that. What's that? I wondered about that. Oh yeah, no, it's if you look at Spider-Man 47, it's directly lifted from it. But like I said, it's it's kind of like uh like the tri Trials and Tribulations episode of uh, DS9. But I'll get back to that in a minute. See, I, I thought that it might be, because I kept looking at it and going, damn, if this guy can draw like this, why the hell doesn't he draw like this all the time? Because <laughs> he's not John Romita. Right, but then I got to, on page 34, that next to last panel, there's a part where Deadpool says, look, Cravey, this is uh, the cool way I'm holding on to these girders may impress the babes. And just that line made me think, wait a minute, I bet you this is copied from a comic, because why the hell else would he say that? Why would he be imitating Spider-Man's exact pose and everything? So, yeah, I wondered about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. So, eventually, Craven hits Deadpool with a ray and saps him of his speed and strength, which is what he did to Spider-Man in that issue, by the way. Uh, but then Norman arrives to distract Craven, allowing Deadpool to recover. Deadpool starts up the battle again, but by then, Craven has concluded that Norman doesn't know what's going on and it's not worth fighting for so he slinks away Deadpool tells Norman that Weasel has a drinking problem keeping him from getting a job at Oscorp and effectively starting him on a drinking problem clever huh? 
but he agrees Weasel agrees to fix Deadpool's teleporter anyway, allowing Blind Al and Deadpool to return to the present, and the Watcher breathes a sigh of relief. So, if you were looking for a deep story here, you were looking in the wrong place. But if you were looking for kind of a cool melding of the 1967 comic and this story in a Trials and Tribulations way, and if you were looking for some pretty funny, I thought, dialogue for a comic book, this is the place to go. I enjoyed this book a lot. I get the feeling I may be, I, I may, I may not have a total agreement from you guys on it, but I, I just, I, I got a big kick out of the commentary from uh, Blind Al as, as Mary Jane's there dancing, or, or even uh, Deadpool when Gwen comes over and he starts talking about getting in her pants and stuff, <laughs> or, or, and especially making fun of Harry's hair. It, it, it really cracked me up as I was reading this thing. So I don't know if you guys enjoyed it as much as I did, but I got a big well, kick out of it. Well, Deadpool always seems to voice the things that a lot of times stick out as ridiculous in a comic, which is like part of his appeal as a character. Yeah, so. and, and I, if they if this was like the norm, if this was something that was coming out and I was reading it every month, I might get tired of it after a while. But as a departure from what I'm used to, I just I, like I said, I got a tremendous kick out of this. And and through it all, he never finds out that uh, that Peter Parker's Spider Man, even though he's dressed as him the whole time. <laughs> I like you know Peter, Harry, Harry starts talking you know in sixty speak, and Peter, you know Deadpool as Peter says, "Are you having a seizure? Speak English." And for pity's sake, what's up with that hair? <laughs> I just I think I just think it's great. Well, it is pretty cool the way that it's intermingled with the existing comic and and the way i mean pete woods i'm not familiar with his art at all i can't really give you any comment on that but the the new artwork in it he keeps close enough to that style it's not as good as john romita by any stretch but it's close enough to that style that it it's seamless enough so that worked for me uh this the the whole character of blind al i'm kind of glad that we revisited this a little bit because uh it made me look up the character because i really don't know too much about her. And I looked her up in, in Wikipedia, and apparently she's she's quite old. Uh, there's There's been some innuendo that at one time she may have dated Captain America before he was frozen in ice. <laughs> uh, and, and, and apparently her relationship with Deadpool is, is almost a, uh, not a sexual bondage relationship, but a like she's like his hostage through all of this. Like a very, very is... strange relationship. Well, because this character's in um, Scott's book, too. Yeah, and, and right. she's going to be in the movie. Leslie Uggam is playing her. Really? Wow, Leslie Uggams? Ooh. Yep. So I don't know how she's going to be portrayed in the movie as far as, you know, the the, the story-wise, but... <laughs> she does a gonna... lot like Aunt May. <laughs> I guess that's just what you portray old old women, Aunt May. Well, it's funny because, I mean, I read my book before I read this one, and that was the first thing that struck me in, in my book was the resemblance to Aunt May. So I thought it was really funny in this where they wind up, you know, back in the 60s and and Al actually plays Aunt May. I, I thought that was very funny. I, I got a kick out of the fact that this, you know, essentially Deadpool lives a Spider-Man adventure because I can remember when he debuted and not being an X-Men fan, not following X-Men, not following, you know, any of the peripheral X-Men books or when it, or anything like that. I can remember you know when he first made the scene, or particularly I think when it really struck me was when he he got um, one of his early action figures. It was one of the taller ones. It was like a, 
you guys remember there was a, a series of figures, I think they were called Marvel Universe, and you could find them at like Toys R Us. And I remember finding a lot of them at those. Um, remember they used to have Toys R Us. Um, oh God, what do you call it? Outlet not, store? Not store. Outlet stores. Yeah, you know where they'd be getting rid of stuff on the cheap. And they had that series of. They were taller action figures. I don't think they were quite twelve inch, but they were close to it. Probably like ten inches tall, and they were like cheap hollow plastic. And there were very few points of articulation. Like they would move at the elbow and they would move like at the at the like where the legs would connect to the hips. And I think that was about it. I don't think there there was like knee joints or elbow joints or anything like that. They had limited accessories, but they had some really cool Marvel characters. I remember they had a um Spider-Man 2099 that was really cool. They had like cable and you know, all those 90s characters. You know what I'm talking about? They, they ran like $6.99 or something like that. So they were really cheap. Oh, wow. And they would make just like, they were great for like, like guys like us that would just want to collect them and, and just like display the boxes. And if you ever go to flea markets or what these days, you can usually find zillions of them because they were, they were cheaply made and they made a shitload of them. You guys know what I'm talking about? Do you remember these at all? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, I, I think I do. Yeah. Well, I remember the first one I ever saw that was Deadpool. I think one of my kids had one. I think Scotty had one, actually. And I remember when I first saw him, I thought he was some Spider-Man variant. You know, like maybe some something related to like the, the Clone Saga or something like that. I didn't really know what it was I was looking at. For the longest time, I thought Deadpool had something to do with Spider-Man because he kind of sort of resembles Spider-Man, especially with the eyes and everything, with that mask he has so i think it's really cool and very ironic that in this one he essentially becomes spider-man for the issue that <laughs> that's just funny to me it just you know it, it works into my earliest preconceptions of the character which were incorrect but it all kind of comes back full circle i just think that's interesting and I'm, I'm guessing that that's part of the inspiration to do this is because the costumes are similar enough and and it was easy enough to take panels from you know an old spider-man book and and, and change them to be Deadpool instead of Spider-Man. Right. So I, I, I'm sure that that added to the thought process of doing this. But like I said, this this, this just reminds me of, of the uh, DS9 episode, which I love so much, where, where they took the uh, the old episode and then they just kind of put in the additional subplots and, and you know, time travel elements and everything. Right. So it, it, it I, I don't know if I, like I said, I don't know if I would enjoy this on a monthly basis where i keep reading it but as a change of pace i think it's great mm -hmm. i mean that's kind of the way i've always that for me deadpool is always great as a change of pace but i don't think i'd want to read deadpool all the time or, or at least in like sit down and read a large section of it because you just get the jokes would just probably i don't know maybe just get kind of old and and you know you, most issues you're not going to have the benefit of doing something like this where you're taking an old classic Marvel Comics issue and having him add his commentary to that. Mm -hmm. right. Most of them you have to come up with a new story. And I would think it would kind of get old after a while. Well, that's what worked for me with this one was the gimmick of the issue. You know, the fact that he, he is wound up back in time in an old Spider-Man adventure. That gimmick actually worked for me. Because for one, I really liked the art, you know, that it was aping that period and that style. And even the way it's written, it makes it feel, I mean, if you were to just take 
the Deadpool in the 60s portions of this and excise all the stuff from the 90s, because I don't know if we mentioned, but the art jumps back and forth. So when it's in the mm-hmm. 90s, it's 90s style art and shitty 90s art. So it's that's a little bit jarring when it jumps back and forth, but I understand why they were doing it because it shows, you know, modern times or what was then modern times and the past. But I really like the past portions because it looked and read like a 60s issue of Spider-Man, but what was fun with it was you had Deadpool with his, you know, modern sensibilities and his caustic sense of humor just taking the piss out of all those silly old 60s spider-man comic tropes so that part of it for the for the most part was pretty fun i mean uh, there were a few jokes that fell a little flat and uh, and it got a little there were parts that got a little redundant or what but overall i thought it was pretty good because i'm not big on humor comics especially ones that just they're kind of one note you know what i mean they kind of just live off of like this you know just just making fun of something that's why, like the like the Bwahaha era of Justice League, just wore on me really fast. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of that particular era because to me, a lot of it comes off as one note, and I don't generally find them to be particularly funny, or, or at least not for very long. It's like the joke wears off very quickly. So this was a lot of fun, but yeah, as you guys have said, I you know I don't know how much I could take of this on a regular basis. I don't think I could follow something like this. But as just a one-shot type of thing, I, I thought it was fun. I got a kick out of it for the most part. I, I thought it was very interesting. I didn't really, um, you know, I had no touchstone with the characters or anything like that. But it was fun. And it gave you enough to work with that you were able to still follow the story and everything. So, so when, I did when like it comes that. to comedy, I'm very big on physical comedy. You know, sight gags, that type of thing. I, I enjoy that. Right. And when right. it comes to written comedy... I want it to be delivered. So I want somebody reading the lines. You know, I want somebody acting it out because a lot of that has to do with comic timing and presentation. Right. So when it's just on a written page, whether it's, you know, a, a prose novel or a comic book or Mad Magazine or whatever, when I do read something that I find amusing, normally it's internally amusing. It's very rare that I find myself laughing out loud at something that's written. And I did find myself laughing out loud at this on occasion. So yeah. I think it was I think it was well written comedy. Yeah, I'll agree. Yeah, I had a couple laugh out loud moments with it. <laughs> yeah, I liked this a hell of a lot better than the book I brought because <laughs> you know I, I picked it just blind. You know, I had I had two issues in my collection and I picked the one with better art. Essentially, was my only real criteria, and it turned out to uh, not be that great. I didn't think. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with a book like this on who's writing it and what's the approach that they're taking. And I think it's the same was, writer, isn't it? No, I don't think so. I thought I thought it was. I because this is Joe Kelly, right? Yeah, yeah. My book, I'm pretty sure, is Mark Wade. I believe. No, no, Joe Kelly. Oh, it is Joe Kelly. Well, I don't know. There's something. There's some difference between the two. We'll we'll get there when we talk about mine. But I didn't. I was not amused by mine. I thought it was kind of stupid. But this one, I I got a kick out of. I thought it was. I thought it was. Again, you know, you you've compared this several times to. Um, trials and tribulations i i i get the same kind of vibe from it i i think that's why this particular one works because of that you know that setup with it whereas the other one just i don't know something about the setup of the other one just didn't quite work for me yeah well, like you said we'll talk about yours more in depth when, when we get to it but i i certainly feel this is a superior book mm-hmm. you know 
But you know, like yeah. I said, we'll, we'll get to yours and we'll talk about the pluses and minuses of that story as well. But I mean, this definitely sets up Deadpool as a uh, you know as a very sarcastic, comedic book. You know, not to be taken seriously at all. Right. So if mm-hmm. you know if you're looking for you know serious science fiction, if you're looking for you know any kind of social commentary that is not satire, you know this this isn't the book to pick up. I guess kind of like an actual throwback. It's actually a comic book, a funny book. But it's a it's a funny book meant to be read by, I would say, somebody at least in their late teens. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I'm thinking a 12 year old. Well, I mean, as compared probably to some of the humor would fall flat. Some of the other the seriousness of you know the beginning of the seriousness of the 90s and the you know the it's more of a little bit of a throwback with the humor maybe. I, yeah. I thought the humor was was intended for for an older audience just because of some of the references that were made in it because. There, while there are topical references, for the most part, a lot of the references I was thinking, you know, after a particular uh, age, there's a lot of jokes in here that I don't know that, uh, like a teenager, for example, that they would necessarily get them. I, I think a lot of them would go straight over their head. Well, he's making fun of 60s speak that you know a lot of teenagers would not be familiar with. He made fun of Kurt right. Lafran and Ali at one point. Uh, <laughs> right. That, yeah. that, that, that may even be a little too old for me. And I'm like <laughs> dust. You know, I, I've, I'm familiar with the fact that there was Kukla, Fran, and Ali, but I think I would don't think I've ever actually seen it. Right. So you know, and I, and like I said, I'm old. So you know, I'm sure my son would see that and be like, "What the hell is that? What, what are they talking about?" Right. So yeah, it's it's definitely I, I would say intended for an older audience. But yeah, again. It's it's not you know again there's nothing too deep about this book. There's no moral. There's no social message. It's just it's just meant to be fun, and and I thought mm-hmm. it was a fun read, and and it was fifty two pages, which you know that's that's a pretty heavy book, uh, but fifty two yeah. pages still read pretty quickly. Oh, it took me a while. <laughs> no, you get Missy to help you with the bigger words. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> the Watcher. Well, yeah, what? The Watcher. The Watcher's afraid of Deadpool. We got grades. Uh, yeah. So. The cover is, like I said, it's a takeoff of Amazing Fantasy 15. It's not, you know, other than the fact that it's the same exact design, there's nothing about it that really makes it special. It's not like the artwork is, you know, tremendous. Uh, but, you know, it, it's enough to catch my eye. I, I would say I'll give the cover a B-. minus. The interior art, obviously, I'm not going to give a rating on the John Romita stuff that's lifted directly. Because that's not really done for this book. The 60s stuff that is done to look like it belongs with that, I think is pretty well done. It's certainly not John Romita, but John Romita happens to be my favorite artist ever. So, uh, you know, it's solid. The 90s stuff, I don't think I'm as down on it as you are, Scott, but I don't think it's particularly good either. It's very, very stereotypical 90s look to me. Uh, so I would say art-wise, I'm going to say a C-plus overall. And story-wise, this made me laugh out loud. It's a book that's meant to be funny, and I laughed out loud. I'm going to give it an A. I really thought it was well-written. I really enjoyed reading it. Overall, I'm going to say a B. Anyone? I'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and go next. Um, the cover, you know, ignoring for, for the moment the fact that it's a total homage to Amazing Fantasy 15, um... 
I don't like this style of art. That that very stylized manga inspired art. I just ugh, it's one of those '90s things. I just do not enjoy. I really don't like that particular art style. It just doesn't appeal to me and and my sense of comic book aesthetics. So I'm gonna give it a D. I just don't care for that. I. I I don't really like his exaggerated proportions and all that. Um, and again, that's like I say, that's ignoring the fact that it is a, a cover homage. I of course, you know, really enjoy the original uh, quite a bit. The interior art is really hard to grade because it falls into two categories. It falls into hate and like. I hate the '90s stuff. We, you know, starting with the Watcher, and when we keep flashing back to. Uh, the um, Great Lakes Avengers and all that. I, I just don't like that art style. It just, ugh. It, it just sums up the 90s in the worst way to me. I just don't care for that art. But where the artist is aping the, the 60s stuff, because what, what I thought was a lot of fun is the moment that Deadpool and Blind Al pop out of the time warp into the 60s, they go from being drawn 90s style to being drawn 60s. I mean, it's in, it's an instantaneous change. That was really cool. I thought that was that was fun, and it's neat, you know, especially if you catch it right away that you realize that their visual look has changed completely, essentially from panel to panel as they pop into the 60s. That was really cool, and you know, while he is clearly aping another artist's style and everything, it works. I mean, it really. <laughs> It really does feel like a 60s book, and and that was fun. I really liked that. Um, it always kind of baffles me a little bit when you see a comic book artist that has a very distinct style, especially when it's a distinct style that you really don't care for, and then you see something like this, and you're like, dude, if you're capable of doing that, why the hell are you drawing in this other style? And uh, you know, another great example I can think of like this, I don't know if you guys ever saw this but there was um a cover and then eventually posters that john uh, john bogdanoff did for his run during uh superman the man of steel where superman was surrounded by like an infinite number of batmans and this was during zero hour and all the different batmans were drawn in a different art style of different artists that had drawn Batman over the years. So you had like Jim Aparo Batman and Frank Miller Batman and you know Bob Kane Batman and all these different Batmans all around him. Do you know the the cover I'm talking about? Yeah, isn't there another one that has Batman it's in the Batman middle with Superman surrounded? Yeah. yeah. And then okay. all the Supermans are different artists Supermans. Well, he drew both of those and didn't copy anybody. He he drew them himself aping the styles of these other artists and doing it so well that you can actually pick out the different Supermans or Batmans based on the artists that it's supposed to be drawn by. You know, there's a and Wolverine cover. There's a Wolverine mm -hmm. cover like that, too. I don't know who's done it. Oh, is it. there? Yeah, there's but one see, where I look there's... at something like that, and I'm like, dude, if you can draw that well, that you can imitate John Byrne or you know Jim Aparo or, or these other masters so well that it actually looks like it was drawn by them why yeah, the hell it, are you drawing in your regular shitty style because i think john bogdanoff generally speaking is a shit artist same well, thing with the guy who's drawing the 90s sections of this book that 90s art in this sucks 
But if he can draw this 60s stuff that well that it almost looks like it really is John Romita, then why the hell is he drawn in the style he's, he's drawing in? I just don't get that, you know? Well, because it probably takes more time to sit there, and he, and he probably looked at individual images from each of those and drew them, obviously, individually on, on the cover. But he had right. to study those other ones, and it takes it probably takes a lot longer to draw imitating someone else's art style than to just freely draw in your own style, which True. may, you know, the, I mean, who knows how long those particular covers took to draw. Right. And I, and I get that, but I, I guess my thing is, you know, learn from the, the master, you know, uh, adapt, right. you know, I'm not saying copy outright cause you wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't just want to copy somebody. Although, you know, there are artists out there that have, you know, been very successful just completely ripping off you know uh, what's that that kid's name that uh made his career doing george perez um shit i cannot think of his name you know who the guy i'm talking about he he came into new titans around like issue what was it like 98 or something like that and uh Uh, not romeo tango no 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 no, i can't think uh, of his name but you know who i mean anyway so I'm not saying eight, you know like rip them off, but at the same rate, if it's if you can draw in that style, then adapt that style to your style and make something beautiful out of it. Because the again, his if this is his regular style that we're seeing in the '90s portions of this book, his regular style sucks. Sorry, you know. So I don't know. But then again, you know that was the that was the style of the times as well. You know, if he if he drew in the '60s style all the time, then it would look dated or outdated. So I don't know. I just don't really care for the '90s portion. So for that reason, it's really hard to grade the book because again, you know, you have great dislike and uh, and love. So I it's hard to to say. So I, I would actually give the art two grades. The the modern portions, the 90s portions, is a straight-up F. I cannot stand that art style. Uh, but the 60s stuff, I love. The 60s stuff, I would give... Uh, I'd be tempted to give it an A. I'd say maybe like, a, like an A- minus because it needs some refinement. Um, the inking looks a little weird. But part of it, too, is that while it is aping that 60s style, it's not colored 60s style. And so it... it it very much looks like what it is. It looks like an imitation as opposed what it would have been really cool is if they had gone, you know, really gone for broke on this and colored it the way that they colored comics back then and really made it blend and really made it feel authentic as an old comic. That would have been, you know, that just that extra level of detail, uh, which unfortunately they did not do, but it still looks pretty cool. I really like that. Um, the story you know, I, I think I, I think I'm gonna go with uh, I think I'm gonna go with Paul on this because the more I think about it, the story's pretty clever. The the story's pretty ingenious. The jokes, for the most part, work really well. And I know that you know Paul said that there wasn't really like any moral or any point to the story, but I would argue that slightly in the aspect I liked the moments uh, again, not really knowing the character, not really having any sort of touchstone with the character at all. I did like the moments where. Deadpool seemed to struggle with doing the right thing based on what Al had told him, you know, don't mess up the time stream versus his own natural inclination, which was to just shoot everybody, you know? And I liked that because there was a moment where he gets really pissed off about something and you can see, um, I'm looking here, it's on page 25 where uh, he's something about screw going back to the apartment. He's making this decision that he's just had, you know, to hell with this. He's going to do things his way. And then, you know, in his mind's eye, 
Blind Al pops up, like, you know, almost like the guardian angel on his shoulder saying, you know, whatever you do, don't mess up the time stream. And I really like that. And so he grits his teeth and he does the right thing. And I, I like that, you know, that that is, uh, you know, heroic in its own way for a guy that doesn't seem like he's really made to be a hero. You know, he, he seems like he's made to be kind of a caustic scumbag. But in this particular issue, he does do the heroic thing almost despite himself he realizes that there's more at stake than just you know whatever thing was going on that caused him to get hurtled back in time in the first place i like that so what's your overall uh overall would be i would say a b Uh, i'll go right with a b because i I did enjoy it you know um it it was fun it was it was a lot more fun than than my book which again I, i read my book first and when I did, I was just left with the thing of, oh God, this is gonna be, you know, this is gonna be torture. But uh, well, let's until we get book, to your book, we'll, we'll go more into it. But for now, let's just leave it at. Sometimes you get what you pay for. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is very yeah. true. Um, for me, the the cover, uh, I've got no real qualms with the cover. I'm I'm not as hard on the anime, the 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 manga style art, um, uh, like. Like you are, Scott, and and I I, I kind of like the the homage, so I'm I'm gonna give the cover eh, like a B minus. And the interior art, it's nice to see a uh, on the opening few pages a a I guess a '90s version of the Watcher, the 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 not reserved Watcher, the intense extreme Watcher, I guess you could call him. Um, and then going back to the '60s art, um, it's it's nice the way they worked everything in. With uh, with our future heroes in the past, so uh, oh, and it's always good to see the Great Lakes Avengers. I always like the Great Lakes guys. Um, I didn't know they had another name at this time though. They're called the Lightning Rods, huh? Yep. Huh. I, I so, do remember that. I think it had. I think it had something to do with the Thunderbolts. Well, then they called they... themselves JLX at one point too. They kept changing right. their names. No, but right. I, I, think, I think you're on the money, Scott. I think it was they were the Great Lakes Avengers. Then you had the. Uh... You know the heroes left, and the Thunderbolts came, and they were popular right. in the media, so they wanted to uh, ride that wave, and that's why they changed themselves to the Lightning Bolts, right? Or the Lightning Rods, rather. Yeah. Um, so the art with the mixture of the two styles, I'm just going to split it down the middle and give it uh, like a C. Uh, but the story, the story is 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 good with the trials and tribulation theme that uh, that 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 UK came up with, Paul. Which which it does fit in nicely with all that. Um, so I'm gonna have to give the 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 story. I'm gonna give it B plus A minus. So I guess overall, I guess my book comes pretty close to a B as well. I mean my grade. And that's Deadpool number eleven. So now Scott, what gem did you bring for us today? Oh good lord! All right, so. For my book, we are going to 1998. That's uh, the the indicia uh, date on this. There is no cover date on it. Now, according to Mike's Amazing World, the approximate, and uh, this is the first time I've actually seen this on Mike's site, it says the approximate on-sale date was October 1st, 1998. There is no price on this issue. It is free because... This is a Wizard Zero issue, so I'll explain that a little bit for those that might not be aware. Wizard was a magazine. Uh, it was essentially a fanzine that you could buy um, you know, off the stands or what. Well, now that Wizard was all, holds, uh, holds conventions hmm. pretty much. Right, yeah. 
but it was a magazine at one point and uh it was a you know it was a magazine it was a fanzine all about comics and collecting and and everything and uh and very much a product of his time but i liked wizard and uh used to follow uh wizard pretty pretty faithfully i don't, don't know that i bought like every single month but uh but, you know i bought issues as they appealed to me with you know particular articles or freebies with them or what but uh one of the things that uh wizard was kind of known for was frequently giving some really great freebies uh every issue because they came bagged you know in just a um like a poly bag type of thing uh, that you'd have to tear open to get to the issue inside. And frequently they would have trading cards or, you know, stickers or something like that. Um, and then frequently they would have zero issues that were special comics that were produced uh, by the actual companies, you know, like Marvel or DC or a lot of independent companies did them too. But it was a special issue produced just for inclusion uh, with issues of wizard magazine so they became known as the wizard zero issues and then that became such a famous thing and such a popular thing that they actually produced a number of wizard half issues that you would actually have to send away for uh and those became quite collectible for a time too i don't know if they still are but they were at one time so this is the wizard zero issue for deadpool that was actually produced during um one of the runs of deadpool i was looking at this a moment ago to figure out where this essentially uh, fits in the lineup of books. And according to Mike's Amazing World, this would come after issue number 22 of a Deadpool series that looks like it started in, in 97. So I don't know. <laughs> That's think, about all I, I know is, about it. I think this is part of the same run as the issue that I just did. Oh, okay. So this one here. Now, my thing, when I when I first went into this, I, I guess this, this lends a lot into my, my overall feeling of this book. But I guess I'm still stuck on the idea of, of kind of the DC, when DC did its zero issue event right around the, I think it was actually a tie-in with zero hour, their zero issues, generally speaking, were kind of like origin issues. And I remember some, if, if I'm not mistaken, connect me, bleh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I think I'm correct, that at least some of the Wizard Zero issues actually kind of worked that way too, didn't they? They served as almost like a jumping on point or a potential jumping on point for certain titles by kind of giving you, a, you know, just an easy, accessible issue to read to kind of give you a flavor of what the book was. Maybe not necessarily an origin issue, but just something almost generic to tell you about what the book was about to maybe hook you and make you want to check it out sometime. Am I, am I correct in that? I, I would agree with yeah. that. And I would even, and we'll get into this after you do your synopsis, but I would maintain that this book is that. Hmm. At least it's an attempt okay. at that. It may not, it may not be successful. I don't, okay. I don't want to overstate it, but I do think it's an right. attempt at that. So the cover you have Deadpool is facing us, but he's kind of looking over one shoulder as all of these characters come kind of running up on him from behind. And there are some characters here that I, I recognize and then others I'm, I'm lost, but I recognize uh, the wizard, um, Bucky Barnes. Um, I thought the basilisk was in there somewhere. He's in Isn't the book. The, the, porcupine? the porcupine, the porcupine, uh, the egghead, egghead, <laughs> yeah, egghead, um, kangaroo. Oh yeah. The kangaroo. Yeah, I do see him there. Who's the, the dude with the stash right behind Deadpool, right behind Bucky's fist? I think he's the, the Jaguar or the Cheetah or something like that. Oh, okay. The Jaguar. The ringer. You've got the ringer back there. So these are all dead characters. 
and Deadpool's looking over his shoulder and he's going and he's saying, Oh no, not you. And it says featuring the lamest dead people in the Marvel universe, which is pretty funny, except for the fact I kind of take objection to that right away because I don't think that Bucky and the wizard are lame at all. I actually liked both of those characters. So I don't know. It's arguable, I guess. So uh, this one is written by Joe Kelly. uh, Same writer as uh, the other issue that we covered. I was dead wrong about that. I really thought this was a Mark Wade issue, but anyway, it is Joe Kelly. Uh, pencils by Yancey Labatt, which is a name I am not familiar with, and uh, inked by Sean Parsons. And, of course, there's a whole bunch of other credits on this as well. I'm not going to go into all of that. Uh, this issue is entitled You Only Die Twice. So we start the issue deep in the heart of Texas, and Deadpool has got this guy uh, all tied up, and he's suspended over these uh, very hungry uh, Doberman pinchers and and basically deadpool is threatening to feed the guy uh, uh, those are, to the those, dobermans those hmm? are rottweilers oh rottweilers whatever the hell they are is it important <laughs> well you're right though if you're a dog doberman pinchers whatever the hell they are just um, saying just saying i don't know could they be taken as because don't doberman pinchers have the, the really tiny tails like that too yeah but their ears stand straight up because they would snip yeah I'm, um, I'm gonna you know i mean i agree with you that it doesn't matter but I'm gonna, go with, I'm gonna go with Rottweilers. Okay. All right, Rottweilers. Whatever. <laughs> okay. So. Well, my mom had a Rottweiler. That's why I. I oh. Yeah. So he's uh, he's threatening this guy. Uh, something about uh, what does it say here? Uh, the MacGuffin files. Get it, MacGuffin. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. He needs files. Something about Al has uh, blind. Al has been hurt, and he's trying to get the something to get hooked up with this doctor that can heal her up or some shit like that. Again, I, this this literally was my first real, like, solo story of Deadpool. Essentially, my first Deadpool story, because I didn't even remember having read those uh, the Avengers, whatever Avengers book he was in, until just as we sat down to record this. So really, like, my first touchstone with the character and not really understanding, you know, okay, who's this Al person, what's going on? And as he's threatening this guy, <laughs> this big freakish monster comes busting in and steals the thing that Deadpool is after and he looks out the window as the monster's running away and he says vamp animus <laughs> and vamp animus is essentially a giant naked dude that's kind of a cross between blockbuster and one of the telosians from Star Trek and it's really freaky weird looking thing he's got a big so, head yeah he's got a ginormous cranium but animus is not a man Right. So, but but that's the, this the character did exist before this. He, he was introduced, or she was introduced in Captain America. Right. And it it is a female character, and it's based on, I, I believe, a psychological theory or whatever. But the creature is the creature female then? It it doesn't have a female body, but apparently it is female. Ew. I don't understand the logic and everything. I never really did. I never looked deeply enough into it. I'm sure some some well-versed reader some well-versed listener will send us something explaining uh what what it is i, I don't know if it's a, a freudian concept or something along those lines but there there is some sort of uh well it, vamp vamp i'll look it up that that panel where deadpool is looking out the window and saying vamp animus that is a giant naked hairy dude is it not that's what the picture is because if that's a woman that's disturbing so Deadpool sets out in pursuit, and of course we do see Vampanimus 
go to wow. this office building and change into a beautiful woman. And okay. mysteriously, Hold on. interruption. I'm sorry. Okay, I just, just looked it up too. From the definition, nothing to do with comic books. Definition of animus. One of the definition is an inner masculine part of the female personality in the analytic psychology of C.G. Jung. So it is the masculine part of a female. It's like when they tell you you're getting. Uh, you're getting comfortable with your inner woman or whatever? This is right. the, the opposite of that. This is the inner man inside this woman. Exactly. Wow. He's okay, so the woman was known as the vamp. She was secretly a member of the subversive criminal organization called a corporation. Blah, 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 blah. Corporation scientists presumably through genetic manipulation endowed the vamp with the ability to transform herself into the animus, a humanoid being with an enormous head. No female <laughs> sexual characteristics, and at least in the upper half of her body, and great psionic abilities. Hmm. And okay. There's a hot picture of her, and a not hot picture of her. She's still just wrong until she turns back into the into Vamp. Now, when she transforms back into Vamp, she's where actually the, rather attractive. And where do the clothes? Come I was gonna from? say, where do the clothes come from? Because we see we see the transformation from monster to woman, and it's it's basically it's a reverse Banner to Hulk transformation where the clothes come on her as she turns back into the woman. It's really strange. Well, mostly. Mostly, yeah, mostly. Yeah. Well, they're purple and green, so maybe they're unstable molecules that got right. absorbed by the extra skin. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I guess. So she transforms back, and we see, we see this voice saying, I trust all went without incident. And she says, of course. And we see that the person in charge of all this is Arnim Zola, and he basically has concocted this plan where he's using DNA samples of the deceased to create... What he calls a corpse core that he's sending out to steal for him in order to come up with the money that he needs to fund his genetic experiment. So not a deep story here, not a not a deep plot whatsoever. And of course, Deadpool shows up all Spider-Man style, very much looking uh, <laughs> very McFarlane-ish as he's, he's kind of descending from the ceiling, all Spider-Man style, gun in hand. And he goes on this whole thing of making fun of, uh, of Arnim Zola, some of which works, a lot of which I didn't think really did. I thought the humor was very forced in this part. Uh, he does take out Vamp with very little, you know, he just like reaches over his, over his shoulder as she's charging up on him and just shoots her in the head, which was actually one of the funnier parts of this, I thought. And then Zola releases all of the corpses, all the, the corpse core, and they come charging at him. And this is one of the things that really annoyed me. Now, there are no page numbers for this, but in the scan that we have here, this would be page eight. If you look at that scan and you look at the cover, just about all of the figures are reused between the two. I don't know which is the original image and which is the copy. Yeah, they're just shifted around a little they're bit. They're shifted and, around, but they yeah. are almost the same exact ones. A couple of them are different. There are a couple of extras on there, too. Yeah, but, there's but, there's yeah. a lot of extras, and, the, and a couple of them are different. But generally speaking, they are the same figures, just, uh, just copied from one image to the other. And again, like you say, shifting the characters around just a bit. I thought that was super lazy. Just really, really lazy. And it makes it very obvious 
how the book is produced. You know, it, it's almost like color form style where you can just shift things around like that, you know, computerized. I don't know why, but that that just, it really did annoy me. I, I right thought, now they're probably saying to themselves, Jesus, we gave you the book for free. <laughs> right, this is very true. <laughs> so... Deadpool is all excited about this. He he sees these uh, people running towards him. He says, it's Night of the Living Dorks. And uh, he gets a big smile on his face. He's holding his gun up and he says, it's an early Christmas. So pretty much the whole rest of the issue is him just wantonly laying waste to these reanimated, uh, you know, lame-ass characters and just blowing them away. But some of it's funny and some of it's just plain disturbing because there's a part where he enters into one of the labs and there's a couple of bodies that are under a sheet and he lifts the sheets off of them. <laughs> and it's Ben Park, Ben and May Parker naked, completely naked. And he just opens up on them and, and just waste them. And I thought that was all kinds of disturbing. I thought, because it's a couple of old people. Plus how could Zola possibly know the importance of Ben and May Parker? What reason would he possibly have to have their DNA and want to use them. I can see using the other characters that he chose in this, but this one was just, this was just for the sake of the gag of him shooting Ben and May Parker. And I thought, I don't know that that, that was disturbing to me on, on several levels. Uh, but I did get a kick out of him jamming um, grenades into the basilisk's <laughs> eye sockets. I thought that was actually pretty funny. Grenades gets the red out. Yeah. And you know, well, then they so, got a bird popping out of Egghead's head. Yeah, <laughs> and he does. Uh, you know, he just mows through these people, and Modok is just. You know, he can't believe this is happening. He says several times while he's watching this happen, "This is impossible." So finally, uh, you, your uh, your Modok prejudice is coming through because it's Arnim Zola. <laughs> oh, did I say Modok? Yeah, Modok, Arnim Zola, whatever. And uh, this is impossible. He may he mows through everybody, <laughs> gets to Zola. And basically, he's got Zola down at his mercy. He's going to blow him away. And Zola whispers in his ear, essentially, he, he wants to cut a deal. So we see on the very last page that Deadpool got what he came for. He's got, you know, Al all patched up and she's on the mend. And he is then being he's surrounded and being served by essentially an army of clones uh, and basically naked Gwen Stacy's. And that's how the issue ends. Um, you know, I, I didn't bother going in depth with, uh, with a synopsis or anything on this. Cause I'm just going to be honest. I didn't think much of this and you know, you're, you're right. It was free. Um, I don't remember where the hell I got this. I guess I must've gotten this as part of an, an issue of, of wizard. I just don't remember. I was really shocked when I found that I had this in my collection because I have no memory of it whatsoever. I'd never read it before. And, uh, you know, I remember many of the zero issues kind of being like this. They were very throwaway. Sometimes they, they weren't particularly good. They didn't put a lot of work into them because, you know, yes, they were going to be giving them away for free. But you would think if you're giving it away for free with the intent of giving readers a taste of something and hoping that it'll hook them if they're not already interested in that, that you would put something into it. And I just... I don't know. I was kind of put off with this more than anything. I thought it was pretty juvenile and stupid and really only a couple of the jokes worked in this whole thing. And I was really shocked when uh, when you pointed out that this was written by the same author because I really didn't think it was. It reads completely differently than your issue that we covered, Paul. So, yeah, I, 
I don't know. I, I really didn't think a lot of it. There was there was only a couple of gags I really thought were funny, you know, amusing at all. Most of it I just thought was I thought it was kind of dumb. I don't know. What did you guys think? Well, despite my advancing years, I am quite juvenile. <laughs> so I, I did find the parts of it amusing. I, I mean, it's not a great issue. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to try and prop it up as any sort of great art here. But I, I did find it mildly amusing. And yeah, the Ben and May Parker thing is just done for the gag. So is the Gwen Stacy thing. But they both did make me smile that I found them amusing. Um, you know, the... I, I just one of the things that just bothers me about some comics is how quickly they give up on characters and and just want to say oh this guy sucks he's terrible you know it's, he's lame right because because I I do really believe that you could take the lamest characters and you can write good stories yep and and that's why you know that that just that whole attitude does bother me and that's what this added this this issue is built on that attitude so. On that level, it annoys me a little bit. And I, and I think the artwork is actually, uh, I was going to say I thought the artwork was terrible on it, but I think the artwork is just very inconsistent because there's a couple, of, a couple of shots that I feel are halfway decent, and then there's others that are just terrible. So overall, it's, it's a very uneven issue. I mean, it's only 11 pages, uh, and, it, and it is a free book. But, you know, I, I know I had gotten it because I had a subscription to Wizard at this time, so that's where I got my copy of it. But it, it, I, I thought it did serve as kind of a, a jumping on point. You know, there really is no deep story. It's not like you're jumping into any kind of thing that's difficult to figure out where you are. He's trying to get whatever. He's blackmailing somebody for it. You know, you would have to be somewhat familiar with who these Marvel characters are. But that's about all you need to know in order to jump in. So I, I do think it's an acceptable jumping on point. And it does present the series for what it is, which is kind of a, you know, sarcastic smirking look at uh, at comics. So, and I think it serves its purpose, and I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was okay. This whole issue reminds me, I watched some video game pl- playthroughs, and there was a Daredevil video game, and this could be taken straight out of there with all the sexual I- innuendos, the 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 kill shots. You know, it's... it's, it's uh, it's not as good as the other issue that we just had, but it's still it's it's got its high points to it, you know, little snickers here and there. But it's it's it kind of you know it's got some groaners in it too, and uh, I really like the last page. <clears throat> Gwen Gwen is drawn drawn very sexy, yeah, <laughs> in many different poses, so to speak. So I mean, there's not a lot to say about this, <laughs> you know. It, it's. Yeah. It, it, it comes, to, I, I think most of these characters were from, uh, I think they call it the bar with no name. Right. And, and uh, Scourge had, had tricked them all into coming and meeting, and then he came in and wiped a bunch of them out. Yeah, because he says at one point in the book, he says, you know, hey, I'm Scourge. Get it? Yeah, I was wondering in that one part when he says that, I'm wondering if the, the characters that he's killing in that one panel are all you know originally uh scourge uh victims you know for irony's sake or something like mm-hmm. that but i didn't i didn't well, I, I mean i don't think all the characters are because obviously bucky wasn't right but i do think several of them are right so you know well he says to bucky out of my way kid you bother me which is yeah not yeah, wc meant, fields reference right See, I meant strictly that that panel right under that, where he's mm-hmm. he's making this specific reference to Scourge, 
or Scourge, whatever. Well, yeah, he says, hey, cats, it's time to play. This is the end of your life. Do you remember this blast from the past? I'm Scourge. Get it? Right. See, I'm wondering, in that one panel alone, those four characters he's wasting, if they are, you know, if that's a reference to the way that they were killed originally, mm-hmm. if they are all Scourge victims or not. I would guess they probably are. That's probably the gag in that panel. But again, I couldn't be bothered to look it up. Uh, I'm looking. I'm just looking at that particular panel. They they definitely could all be. And he, he takes the beak from Birdman. Yeah, right. he's using it. He puts it on his hand and it's probably one asparagus. <laughs> I I find that amusing. I I do think Joe Kelly wrote the character in a funny way. So, anyways, I guess that's about all we have to say about this. Yeah. You want to rate it? Uh, yeah, if I have to. <laughs> um, cover is interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna go, I go middle of the road C on it. I guess it, it wouldn't have been enough to make me pick it up. You know, <laughs> even even being free or if there was a, a charge for it or what. I just, eh, it's it's okay. Um, again, I the whole thing with the lamest dead people. I'm like, hey, you know, for the most part, I'll agree with you. But you know, you got Bucky not in there. The not, not the wizard. Not the wizard. I like the That's wizard. That's what I like. The wizard. <laughs> Um, interior art, I do not care for. I like how Arnim Zola looks, but he's about the only one in the book I really care for. Um, Point Stacy. Although I do like the, yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, I like the women. I, I do like, uh, the female incarnation of Vamp. It's just disturbing. Oh, no, no. You like both the giant of... dude. <laughs> you like but... Vamp and the Animus. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, thank you. I don't need none of that. Um, but yeah, Gwen Stacy at the very end looks, uh, yeah, especially her very end. Um, so I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go uh, see on the art as well. I think because in a lot of ways, it's again, it's very generic uh, '90s style art, and I just don't like the the computerized cookie cutter approach to you know just move things around slightly on one of the panels and hey, you've got a cover. It's like really, that's that's super lazy. And the story. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't it wasn't horrible. I think I'd go a middle of the road C on that as well. So overall, I'd say it's a C book, which I think is more than generous for this. So I'll go. make this quick. I'll just go straight across the board C's with everything. Cool. Okay. Uh, if this was a book that they were charging money for, this cover would not entice me to buy it. So I'm going to say a C minus on the cover. Uh, the interior art. As I said, I, I think it's more inconsistent than bad, but I think there's more bad than good, if that makes sense. Uh, so I'm going to say a C- minus there as well. But the story, you know, it's only 11 pages. They only had so much to work with. It made me chuckle, maybe not out loud, but more internally. I didn't think it's as good as the last one, but I thought it was, it was fun. So I'm going to say a B on the story. And overall, I'm going I'm to line up with you guys and give it a C. And that's where we end it. So, but, but, Bill, Bill, you don't have a book, right? No, you got to go. Yabba, dabba, do. Remember? That was the. Uh, yes, I do. Dumb, Well, there was Fred and Barton nothing. And the one said yes, yes, yes. And the other one said no, no, no. But the yabba, dabba, do, that was the alien. Um, That was the ones that were made. That was like. Yes, sir, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Because that was. Yabba, dabba, do. Sorry, I, it's sad that I could differentiate between Fred's Flintstone duplicates. It's not in the slightest bit sad. I find it. I find it a very impressive. 
<laughs> impressive. Most impressive. And I guess something else that could be impressive is I have a book. Woohoo. You don't sound you, you don't sound happy. I'm getting tired. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, me too. I am getting tired and and I gotta and, 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 and I know you don't have a written synopsis and this could take like all night. No, no, no. This is an easy book. This is an easy book. All right, you go. You go, girl. I have Hawkeye versus Deadpool, which came out. Uh, I, I wanted to come a little bit further because, you know, we can kind of break our rule for the coattail writing episodes and come further in time. Um, so I came to Hawkeye versus Deadpool, which came out. I couldn't find a print date on it, but it came out in 2014. Um, there's no yeah, there's no date on the front. And I and I couldn't find it in Mike's Amazing World either, I think, because it's too recent. So we have Marvel Comics proudly presents Hawkeye versus Deadpool to where Hawkeye on the front cover has his bow drawn, getting ready to shoot Deadpool. And Deadpool has a bow with a bunch of Nerf um, (laughs) arrows that are all bounced about, broken in different states of disarray. And Deadpool actually has arrows through his thigh, his head, his arms, his feet, legs, all over. He's pretty much been perforated by... by, uh, the Avenger. Um, and our book is written by Jerry Dugan, artist Matteo Lully. Oh, God, these weird names. Color artist is Christine Peter. Think I butchered that, or you think that's on the money? Christine. Peter, you probably got that right. Yeah, the, yeah, I'm talking about the first name. Oh, Christian? Oh. Is it Christian? I don't know. There's an I after the T. Yeah, Christine, and then there's an E at the end. I guess the E is silent, and there's no H. So be Christ, Christ, Christine, whatever. This, this last name's Peter. He's the color artist. And the letterer is VC's Corey Pettit. And the cover artists were James Harren and Jordi Belleri. Jordi LaForge, yes, yes. Uh, we open up with the gentleman who is downloading something onto his laptop and says he's got to get out of here because for once doing the right thing would be a stupid way to die. He takes his pet cat, Pickles, drops it off at the local labor, Mrs. Horovitz, who looks like Estelle Getty, looking for the uh, the recent um, alien that ran the cantina in The Force Awakens, especially that first shot of her through the door. And uh, Jeremy, is our character's name, shoves the cat through and says, hey, you said you'd watch my cat for a few days. And she says, wait, what? What did I say? I didn't say that. And uh, he splits and she says, I got to run. Um, uh, he says he has to run. Whoops. Oh, man. I changed the page. Where to go? Uh, and uh, he says, sorry, got to run. I'm allergic to bullets. Uh, we next cut to, and I guess this is the current location of where Hawkeye's been saying. I'm not that up on the current Hawkeye miniseries, but I guess this is his, um, his home now in New York. And outside, there's a group of kids talking about, hey, there's, there's, uh, the arrow guy, the Avengers in there, and he gives out full-size candy bars. So they all start to gather up and go up to um, his apartment to where outside there's a jack-o'-lantern with a Spider-Man mask over the top of it, which is, you know, kind of neat, kind of cute. And the kids go up and out comes Hawkeye, who appears to possibly be wrapped in tinfoil or some type of metal. And he is pretending to be Ultron. And um, he's... He goes to hand out the candy bars, and the kids are a little disappointed because he's handing out the fun size, and they're like, oh, we thought you did the full size. He's a little ingrates. So 
he goes back inside, he gets another knock at the door, and this time it appears to be, and this is where I guess there's been some changes for Deadpool. Um, he appears to be married with kids. I don't know. I guess a lot's happened. Anybody else up on the current Deadpool situation? Yeah. As a, you, you, you can't help me or just leaving me out to dry? <laughs> <laughs> I would leave you out to dry anyway, but I can't help you. Okay, just wanted to make sure, make sure we're where we were here but um uh hawkeye recognizes um one lady named simone and uh she says this is my friend emily preston and her son terry and her daughter ellie over there is wade and eleanor and uh hawkeye kind of recognizes uh the one guy that said uh he's dressed kind of like a ghostbuster and he's he's um he says hey uh isn't that deadpool he says technically tonight i'm dadpool so not sure what's going on with there if that if he's joking or it's you know what what the actual deal is, um, and he speaks to each of them, and it's a nice callback here because sometimes you forget that. I mean, I think sometimes they just kind of gloss over that Hawkeye actually lost his hearing way back. I think it was in his first miniseries or his second miniseries. Yeah, it was, it was due first. to a sonic arrow that ruptured his ear his uh, eardrums. So he's trying to talk to one of the little boys and. He can't tell what he's saying, and they visualize it by having a blank speech bubble, and he says, sorry, I took my hearing aid out to because of the headphones because he's trying to make himself look like Ultron. He says, I can't re read your lips. And then um, the one lady, um, Preston, who I guess now her name is Pressbot because apparently she has a robot body and Wade... Um, saved her her brain and placed it into a shield life model decoy a decoy so and then hawkeye feels a little shame because he's dressed as a robot oh and there's this nice little scene to where they actually go through sign language and speak to each other about the whole thing about uh her being in the robot body and such so he says his goodbyes and just before that um wade says that a little girl ellie says uh you know, say, you know, thanks for the candy, whatever. And they're making fun because it's small again. And then um, Barton tries to go back inside and Wade kind of storms says, hey, are you holding out on us? You know, using the, the Deadpool humor. Um, and he says, no, slams the door on his face, angrily rips off his Ultron costume and then proceeds to eat some of his candy. Gets another knock on the door and it is the guy from the opening of the book that had the little um, thumb drive. And he's trying to talk to Hawkeye, but Hawkeye's got the candy out, and he tries to explain to him that he, you know, he's being chased, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he wasn't looking at him during that, and then um, he basically gives him the candy, slams the door, and the guy runs away, or leaves. And then as he's doing that, you see that uh, in the meantime, Deadpool had defaced the Spider-Man um, pumpkin and made it a Deadpool pump pumpkin outside jeremy is being stalked by a guy in a punisher a rather large guy in a punisher costume and comes across wade and his group and dumps his candy and the thumb drive into um their in, into wade's candy box a uh, little pumpkin and then as the they're going back to visit hawkeye they hear a shot outside and wade goes into deadpool mode and goes outside and finds that Hawkeye is already on the scene, and he checks, and the and the body's dead, and he's already pinned up the the I'll call him the foe Punisher, or as they call him the big Punisher guy, um, and he's got him pinned up with his arrows up against the side of a van. 
Uh, and he's kind of just out of it. He keeps just saying, "Of uh, you know, I, I'm a patriot." These these phrases when when Deadpool tries to question the fake Punisher guy, and um, he gets his fingers close to the guy's mouth, <laughs> and the guy clamps down on his fingers, and he's like, "I'm not leaving without my fingers." And um, Barton's like, uh, "Deadpool, I have this handled. Go screw something else up." And there's a rather large shadow behind him, and it turns out to be a pretty beefy guy in a in a daredevil outfit that knocks him out and uh more melee ensues the big punisher guy gets free bites deadpool on the neck um hawkeye takes him out by they well like a little combo move and they slam his head into um the door of a van which last time i saw that was on the was on the daredevil uh miniseries and well it didn't go too good for the russian guy uh, but anyway, the Punisher guy eventually gets free um, because he was fighting with um, first with Hawkeye and he pulled a grenade off of a, a pin off off of his um, jacket and it was a smoke bomb. So he gets ready to go away. And he tries to shoot Hawkeye. Deadpool dives in the way, takes the bullets and Hawkeye is able to lob an arrow at him from a distance from down the street. But uh, his bow was hit with one of the one of the ricochets. So he gets the shot off, breaks the bow, and it still hits him in, in the ankle. But before he can actually catch up to the guy and f- try to find out what's going on, the guy turns, says, I'm a patriot, and walks into the street and gets blasted by a truck. So he, um, Hawkeye goes back to where Deadpool was, and Deadpool, meanwhile, is coughing up the bullets <laughs> that he was shot with. And he uh, tells him that there was a fake Daredevil guy, and he took the the, the dead guy's bag that they found. Um Deadpool wants to stop. Oh, sorry. I just noticed something I didn't notice before on one of the pages. There's a Doctor Strange and a Gandalf walking down the street on page, what is that, 24 of the art? Right behind Deadpool and Hawkeye. Anyway, uh, they're talking. When it gets to, uh, they stop and grab some food. Uh, Deadpool gets four hot dogs because apparently uh, recovering from the gunshot wounds is a, a big calorie burger burner, so he's kind of hungry. And then uh, he gives the cops the uh, the bullets that he's been coughing up. Um, and then there's this, I don't know what this is, this two-page rundown of, I guess, how they're, like, what the breakdown is of the whole crime with the dog and the cameras and the, uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, beyond that, uh, we next see Deadpool and, oh, Deadpool finds the thumb drive in his, in his candy barrel and they pull up at the uh the video from jeremy the dead guy and he says that he's stolen the complete human resources file of files of every active shield agent and he says i don't love the government but i don't want anyone to die e- either so hawkeye says he's going to handle it deadpool says now wait a minute you know my daughter lives with an active shield a- agent so obviously he does actually have a family and uh basically they're just beginning to fight each other over who's going to solve the case and then we cut to um, a uh, – what was his name? Oh, Dr. Lusk. And he basically has all these people, I guess they've been brainwashing to think that they, uh, you know, they're all in different villain or hero costumes. And apparently the person that's pulling the strings is none other than the Black Cat, which I didn't realize she was such uh, – I knew she was a villain, but I didn't realize how far of a villain she had become. And that is the end of the first issue, issue zero. And next is 
Hawkeye versus Deadpool versus Crime number one. Well, right off the bat, the first thing I'm going to attack you on is you told me issue number one. I thought I said zero. No, I said zero. So I we, we, we're, we're sitting here and you start going over the book and I'm like, what the Where heck did is I he going it? over? <laughs> no, no, no. I put it in. Uh, hold on. Let me see what I put. I could. I know I typed a zero somewhere. This plain zero. Oh, because <laughs> I wanted to make sure I put a zero. Oh, no, you know what? You did say zero. My fault. Totally my fault. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay. like, man, man, because but, well, I because reviewed, but I but I but I went through the wrong issue, so oh, it really, really didn't help me very much anyway. Just the same. Okay. Your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. It doesn't matter. I read the wrong issue. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> well, so what did you? Th- well, maybe you can because I haven't read one yet, so I don't even know what happens. And then the the other thing I got to say is, remember you said this was going to be a short synopsis. <laughs> How about that? I kept I kept waiting for Khan to show up. I. I Really was come on, uh, it wasn't as bad as Khan or Apollo's yeah. smile. Is, is is that is that the standard we go by now? If it's not as bad as Khan, it's okay. Not as bad as Khan. I thought I went through I, I even skipped some things. I could have gone more in depth. Not enough I things. I guess I could have said uh it's Halloween, Deadpool and his family come along, another guy drops off some secret, there's a melee ensues, and you, you did it already. Please, you're killing me here. You're killing me. <laughs> Stop synopsizing. Don't synopsize anymore. It's what he does. It's all he does. I learned it from you, okay? (laughs) All right, well, what did you get? You you know, honestly, you know, again, and I didn't read it, so I I think, unfortunately, I'm not in a terrific position to analyze this book. But it struck me that the book was somewhat convoluted as opposed to your synopsis. I'm not going to put it on your synopsis. (laughs) Okay. It, it just seems to, to it seemed to be very very roundabout ways of getting to simple facts. And again, I I don't think that was. I'm, I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't your synopsis. So it, it for a zero issue, a zero issue to me should just be totally set up. And which I guess it is because we set up the mystery of the guy that stole the files. We don't know why, but obviously he feels guilty about it. So he's well, well, not guilty. He just doesn't want to die. But so my he's... my point is, why is this a zero as opposed to an, a one? Why isn't this a right? One? Right. Of the why? St- why wasn't this? Because I think this is a five issue series. Why didn't they just start at one? Why did they go to the trouble of, you know, of of having a zero issue? What's the point uh, yeah. of having a zero issue? If you if like I said, I think a zero because maybe a zero issue should have set up figured it's, out like. I mean, because I don't know what's going on with Deadpool and where he got a family from. I have no idea what happened here. Well, I, I, I think that daughter is not a biological daughter for what it's worth. I think it's an adopted situation. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I, I just feel like, you know, they just they really did just kind of jump into the story and then, you know, somewhat convoluted story. Uh, that's not set up. That's that's starting the story out. So I, I, I have some some issues with that. I don't think the humor is as good in this one as, as believe it or not, the other two. It's not as, I, I don't know, it just doesn't feel quite as, not not gimmicky, but slapsticky maybe, or, or you know, with the physical comedy. Lighthearted, yeah. Yeah, I would say it's, it's I not- mean, there's a couple moments, but not, it's not as light as the other two books. But I guess that's, that's due to the fact that it's a crossover and not, a clean Deadpool book. Mm. 
But, you know, if you're going to bring the Deadpool character in, you might as well make it a more lighthearted story. Uh, I, I don't know. It, 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 I didn't think it was terrible. I, I'm mildly interested in where it might go. But on the other hand, if I never read the rest of it, it's not going to really bother me. Yeah. What would you think, Scott? Nah. Um, well, I mean, for one, I, I did not read the book. Um, there, there wasn't time to read it tonight, and uh, and I was given the wrong book. So. <laughs> That's my fault. Um, I'm, taking, I'm taking the blame. But uh, like, well, I, 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 I own up to my mistakes. Of course, hey, I, 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 of course I will edit all this out. <laughs> yeah. I didn't uh, – I really, really don't like the art in this. Um, yeah, I don't like this at all. It reminds me an awful lot of uh, that art. That was on New Avengers right around the time of Secret Invasion. I think it was Lionel U. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I just don't like that art. It has a. It has a very. For me, lazy Lionel U. Art looks like it's like every line has been gone over twice. It just looks like like my vision's blurred or something. It's yeah. Very, very scratchy. Scratchy. It, it looks like it. It looks like it's reproduced from the pencils and that nobody bothered to ink it. And it needs inking. I yeah. mean, this, yeah, yeah. And I, exactly. and, and that's, I, I'm taking that as that's been my critique of Lionel Yu's work, and and I agree with you that this is very similar. Not so it's, it's got as... the same criticism, and I think Lionel Yu's work is actually superior to this. I think Lionel Lionel Yu is better on anatomy than this. Yeah, you know what threw me off. Maybe. L- which I really had to look at this words? picture new, new, numerous times. It's a big words. The last page, I can't. Okay, one. What is that? A picture of on the wall above the black cat over there to the left. Is that somebody with their foot on somebody's head? What is that? <laughs> what is that? A picture of? Um, did somebody get their head yeah. cut off? What? What? what I mean, that's what it looks, looks like. like. Yeah, it is and, kind of what it looks like. I don't and know then what. Look, the look at the cat on the table. Playing with a bully. I'm playing with a meatball. Yeah, but but look like that. Its tail looks like another fifth leg out there at the end. Yeah, it does. You're right. I'm like, I, I had to like turn it my looks head like sideways. A feather, like a big bird feather coming out of its ass. That's what it looks like. <laughs> it's like a cockatiel. It's like a catatiel. What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you've you've really disturbed me with that picture on the wall because I had not noticed that. What before. is that? <laughs> Looking at it, it's not right. <laughs> is that somebody with like they're they they're in a chokehold, unconscious in the sand? Because look, the head's like buried in something. I'm trying yeah. not to look at it anymore. It's disturbing. Yeah, uh, it is. I agree. I don't want to yeah, look at it anymore. Please get it away from. And me. I guess but the black cat no longer has any white in her costume. She's completely a black cat now, because all the fur in her costume used to be white as black. Yeah, that's. I didn't even notice that, but yeah. Ugh. I don't know. So yeah, there's like a lot in this book that I was just like, Oof. yeah, don't care for it. No sir, don't, don't like it one bit. <laughs> no sir, I don't like it. There's, it, there's, there's a, unfortunately, there's a lot more negatives to this one than positives. Yep. Now I did like the sequence where he's getting ready to take the shot while he's running. That you see the guy in the distance and you see it from Hawkeye's perspective. I did kind of like that whole sequence of panels. Not necessarily the art, but the but but the mechanics of it. With the bow, setting the arrow, drawing. Then he cocks it up, pulls it. It snaps, but the shot still got off and it took him out. But yeah, that's, the, it's 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 a conceptually it's a good idea. 
The previous page, though, I don't know if I really like the multiple Hawkeyes in the one panel, jumping over, running past everybody, and then the one below that. Do we really need to know? Do you really need to have the big circle pointing down to where Hawkeye is with Hawkeye's face in it? Because you can tell they're the only two people running. Like, you didn't really need to identify them. I don't know if that's because that's a Deadpool touch that they're doing that. I, I don't know. It just didn't... I wasn't real real keen on it. It was kind of funny that um, Deadpool says, go get him, Tiger, to, to Hawkeye. You know, like a play on uh, Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, right. But, uh, <laughs> whoa, you all right? <laughs> I'm, I'm just chuckling to myself as you get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> you scared me. <laughs> well, I'm not stuck. I mean, you know, you mean no, you, it? You just you just like to go da once in a while. Da, what's ready to go? It's ready to go, George. Yeah, I guess we might as well rate it, or we're gonna have a lot of dead air here. <laughs> yeah, well, it's getting late. Truncate's gonna take care of all of that. Don't worry about it. Truncate, it'll all go away. The cover. Oh, well, I do find it kind of funny i don't necessarily like the art personally i don't like the way the figures look i mean maybe if they had looked maybe a little more realistic i know that sounds kind of funny being as being a comic but i don't know it just seems over exaggerated for for effect so uh, cover i have to give the cover c minus i just don't like it uh the interior art uh yeah that it, a Stelgetti shot whoa that's just scary on that other page um oh that probably been what threw you guys off when I was going through the book because you're like what is he talking about <laughs> guy with his no hat. I, I figured it out pretty early in the book <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> um interior art yeah with some of this uh, it just doesn't look finished in some spots and just ah uh, I'm also gonna give it a C minus on that. The story, I'm interested in the story a little bit more. Um, I don't know if we needed the, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to go somewhere with inter- introducing Deadpool's family or maybe explain them some more. I'm not sure. Um, and what the o- overall mystery is, maybe you know more because you've read the next issue. Um, but I'm only going to give this story probably for right now a B minus. So I think I'm looking at, like a C middle of the road book for me. Right. You want to go, Scott, or me? Uh, I'll go ahead and do it just super fast here. Um, the cover in a good artist's hands could be really good and really amusing. It, and it is slightly amusing. I do kind of like the concept of it. I just hate the execution and the art. I really don't like this art style at all. It's It's super... To me, it just comes off as lazy. It's a very lazy art style. It's like it just doesn't look like a hell of a lot of effort was put into it at all. You know, I'd like to see Mark Kalmbeck draw this cover. Yeah. yeah. Only, only I'd like to see him draw it with Scott as Bulls, as Hawkeye and, and no. Deadpool. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Pass. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think this art it just looks just so lazy to me. Like there's just not enough effort put into it. It's just like all right, just slap some shit together and throw it out there, and the kids are gonna buy it because it's Deadpool, I guess. But yeah, I just don't I don't know, I don't care for this style at all. The story I can't address because um, about 
three minutes in, I took a 20 minute nap. So <laughs> I did, I didn't really follow what the hell was going on at all. Sorry, Bill, not to rag on your synopsis <laughs> too much, but you lost me, buddy. So I can't speak to the, uh, to the story at all, but the art, um, the cover is, uh, I'll give the cover a D just short of a failing grade. Because again, redesigned by somebody else, this could be a really funny cover. Um, and Deadpool. the gets straight up F cause it's just goddamn lazy and I'm sick of art like this. So yeah, there you go. All right. Um, <sighs> I, I I have to preface my uh, I have to preface my review with the fact that I scrambled to pick up this issue while you were doing your synopsis. <laughs> so that that shows you the intensity with which I reviewed it. But uh, I, I agree with what you guys said on the cover. Conceptually, it's kind of a cool drawing, but in execution, I don't like the style at all. I find that I like the style on the cover slightly more than I like the style in the interior, even though it's basically the same. It's just a little bit slightly cleaner on the cover. So I'm, it, is a, the, it, it is a different artist. Oh, it is. It is it okay? I thought it yes. was the same artist. Nope. So I, I, I think I think the the cover artist is superior to the interior artist, and I'm going to give the cover artist a C. Uh, the interior art, I, I. I think there are some sequences, as you pointed out, that are decent, but I think Scott hit it on the head. I think a lot of this art just screams out to me laziness, that there's a lack of detail in places where detail would help it a lot. There's a lack of backgrounds in a lot of the pictures. Uh, I, I just don't really care for it. I don't feel the storytelling is very strong, uh, and, I, and I, th- I, I think the interior art, I'm going to give the interior art a D plus. I don't think it's horrible. It's it's kind of this. There's a couple of things that are okay, but I think it's it's subpar. Uh, story wise, I did find it like I said. I found it to be somewhat disjointed, convoluted, and seemed to take a long time to make a point. It didn't. I didn't find the jokes to be particularly sharp or or funny. So I'm gonna say story wise a C minus, and overall I'm gonna give the book a C minus. So I'm hoping for better out of the movie than we got out of this comic. Yeah. <laughs> but that's... I'm just I'm disappointed that in the in the three issues that we reviewed, I don't feel like honestly I know a hell of a lot more about the guy than I did beforehand. And I don't you know I I, I don't want to place undue blame, but at the same rate, I feel like if I read three you know, three Spider-Man books from the 60s, 70s, or 80s, I'd have a pretty good handle on who the character was from any given issue. So I I think it's a failure of modern comics that they no longer write with Stan Lee's philosophy that, you know, every issue is potentially somebody's first. You got to give me something to work with. You got to make me give a shit, you know? Because who's to say where I got this issue? You know, I, I, I may have paid money for it, I might have found it, you know, blowing down the sidewalk. But one way or the other, if I picked it up and I read the goddamn thing, I should be able to to care about it enough to be hooked and want to read further adventures. And arguably the the one that you covered, Paul, the one that you brought could do that, except that's, you know, it's again, it's kind of a done in one. You know, it, it was fun, but it would be it's very easy to walk away from that one, too. I mean, it was fun, but at the end of it, it's all wrapped up and it's like, OK, that was cool. And I might not even realize that there's another issue after that. And again, 
despite the fact that it, it was a fun read, again, was it all that informative? Not really. I mean, I still, at the end of the day, I, I don't know who Deadpool is. I don't know what the deal is with, with Blind Al. You know, is that his mom? Is that his sister? Is it, you know, his great aunt? I have no idea. Who the hell is this character? And, you know, it, that's, that's annoying more than anything. It's not intriguing. It's not enough to make me want to continue to read. It's, it's rather the reverse. It's kind of off-putting. Like, well, damn, if you can't throw me a bone, then why should I care kind of thing? So, I don't know. Is that a, what do, you, do you think that's a valid criticism? What do you think? Or am I just being a grumpy old man? I don't know. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, maybe if we had chosen another book, maybe one of his first appearances, maybe that would have given us more to a story. But I don't even think his first appearance really told much about his origin. But yeah, you don't really get like, like I said, I wanted, I, I just randomly picked something later in his, in his, in his comic line to kind of see where he's at, and I'm still kind of lost as to how he got there. It's just, I don't know. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> see, I, I, I think the issue that I presented, I liked that uh, as I think my review, my uh, ratings on it would show. But that could have easily just been a one shot, as far as I was concerned, and I would have been okay. Right? Yeah, that's that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think this character might actually lend itself better to to cinema. I think if they do it right in the movies, it'll be a fun movie. It'll be a fun ride. And and it's gonna it could be one of these ones where you just enjoy it. You turn off your brain. You laugh a lot. You see some action, some hopefully decent action sequences, and then you know when it's all done, you know it's it's not it's not groundbreaking in any way, but it was a good time. And if I get that, I'll be happy, and I'll be the only one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. But, um, <laughs> uh, bah, 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 bah. what was I saying? In fact, I think we should record a promo about all the changes to the Fire and Water Podcast Network happening this year. What do you think, Rob? That's a great idea. We can mention the new folks joining the network and all the shows. I can talk about how we'll continue with our Aquaman and Firestorm show, and I want to be sure to plug my movie show, The Film and Water Podcast. What about you, Ryan? Oh, I think we should definitely record a promo. I'll mention how the Secret Origins Podcast is joining the Fire and Water Network, and then I'll introduce my newly relaunched shows, Give Me Those Star Wars and Power of Fishnets, The Black Canary and Zatanna Podcast. Sound good to you, Chris?
Absolutely. I'll mention the show I record with my lovely wife, Cindy, Supermates, the husband and wife geek cast. We should probably also mention the Power Records podcast Rob and I do, too. What about you, Siskoid? Well, sure. I can talk about my ensemble show, the Lonely Hearts Romance Comics podcast, and my new upcoming shows about the DC Comics crossover event, Invasion, and yes, oh, hot move. Shag, do you think we should mention Hero Points, the most occasional DC Heroes role-playing podcast? Sure, why not? And I can talk about Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe, and mention my new upcoming show, Justice League International, Wahaha podcast. Now, Here's what I'm thinking. When we record, I'm fine being the first person talking. I can explain all the changes to the Wait network. a minute, wait a minute, wait. Why do you get to start the promo? I'm just as much of a part of this as you are. It was my idea to create the Fire and Water podcast back in 2011. I should start off this promo. I kind of think it should be one of the new voices who kick off the promo. It'll shock the listener into attention if it's not Rob or Shag. Cindy and I make up two people in the network. Plus, you know, ladies first, so we should be the first people talking on the promo. Ben voyons donc. You have what? got uh, what? it. No, we French cannot be the language Enough! Stop it. You're like boys with toys. Let's just make this simple. We can tell the folks at home the Fire and Water Podcast Network is growing in 2016. Several new shows are joining the network. We'll have a new dedicated website, a Twitter account, and Facebook page. And folks will be able to subscribe to each individual show or all of them. See? Now, was that so hard? Fire and Water Podcast Network. Available soon through iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and FireandWaterPodcast.com. Seriously, Shag, you had to get the last word, didn't you?